0: what happens when a catholic deacon matches wits with a catholic radio show host you get a marriage made in heaven they may
1: not always agree but they're always faithful it's the akins with their view from the pew on modern day radio
2: and welcome to this episode of view from the pew i am your host brenda aiken and joining me again as always is the man well, who likes to meet face-to-face? The good deacon, Scott Aiken.
0: Yeah, and although we're not meeting face-to-face today, I'm, I'm doing this from a distance. Uh, I'm on business travel. I'm during my lunch hour, but I'm, I've done my first trip since COVID began two years ago uh, for my job, and I'm out in West Virginia uh, meeting with leadership. And it's fantastic reflection of the value of meeting in person. Truly, I just it's been transformational for all of us involved because we have that experience, that contrast of just this what we're experiencing right now. The two dimensionality of seeing one another face to face through video versus face to face in person.
2: So for the radio industry, I know that there are many big national programs where there are two hosts and they are never in the same room together they are separated by miles and states even coast to coast even our show here at Monterey Radio Living Stones Deacon Harold Brick Sivers whose ministry makes him travel to so many places Ken Hellenius of course home at Notre Dame University, uh, they always record uh, remotely. And we have, with our technology, been able to do so many great things. But I know even for them, when they happen to both be here at Mater Dei Radio, the good time that they have when they are in the same room, oh, I think our listeners would just really love to witness that. Now, when we first went into lockdown, it took me all of about three weeks to figure out this was not a good fit for me. I just did not do well communicating on the screen. We had to make do, but I think it was within about six weeks of that time that, well, we were back in the studio. Now we were definitely doing lots of physical distancing then, and we had just a skeleton group of people working, but it was a better way, at least for me, there are many people, though, that do work from home, and, and that is their normal way of life.
0: I think the wisdom of it is that you, in, in our journey of growing in the life that, that the Lord has given us, there is value to contrast. And contrast means to experience suffering and experience uh, great joy and having the contrasts of those with the knowledge that God is in both of those conditions. Not that he's creating the suffering but that he's with us in the suffering and he's with us in the joy. And that as we root ourselves more in that reality, then we're less polarized in those contrasts. So this has been, as I said, a transformational week for me, just to be able to speak with people from the heart, with my entire body, with my entire being. And, uh, it's, it's beautiful to to see people reciprocate and, uh, what a contrast, as, like, like I said.
2: Well, we are prayerfully hopeful again that while technology has taught us so many things and has been really been able to allow us to do things in, in new ways, even continue a show where typically we would not be able to have our regular show, but because of technology, your ability to connect and our ability to uh, to talk and record here in the station, Well, we can do great things, but that, yeah, I would say for sure, if your work gives you the ability to meet person to person, even a hybrid situation where you do a few days at home and then meet in person, there is value to it. And it is so tremendous. And it always happens in the more ordinary ways, meaning that it's not in the scheduled meeting where that happens. It's in that you happen to be walking to lunch together at the same time, or you happen to be just kind of meeting up kind of in a conversation as you pass by somebody's office. I think that's where God is really creating moments for, for you to have a profound exchange. Well, coming up on today's show, I have a great opportunity to talk with father Edward Looney. Now we're talking about people today who have had profound changes and experiences in their own life. Well, they met the Blessed Virgin Mary. It is the month of May. It is Our Lady's Month. So we're going to be spending a little bit of time talking today about how Mary has made transformations in people's lives.
0: After that, we'll share a little bit within our own lives of how Mary has been such a great intercessor for us. And I'm using the rosary as my means to integrate into this meeting that I'm in all this week for business. Mary is with us if we allow her to enter into the most uh, intimate parts of our lives, including that which
1: is quote-unquote work.
2: So we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Stay with us.
1: On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again wi I love is making music with my friends and I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again Like they do many other Marian dogmas, Protestants reject Mary as the mother of God because they don't think it's scriptural. But if there's any Marian dogma that's biblical, it's Mary the mother of God. Consider Luke 1.43 where Elizabeth greets Mary as the mother of my Lord. As any Bible student knows, Lord is the title that the Jews used for Yahweh. But Protestants object that Lord can also be used for an earthly ruler. Although this is true, I think the context suggests the divine usage. The three times the word is used before verse 43, verses 28, 32, and 38, and the three times it's used after verse 43, verses 46, 58, and 68, it's used in reference to Almighty God. So does the Bible teach Mary is the mother of God? You bet it does. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Would you like to make your spring cleaning plans a little easier this year? Let Mater Dei Radio give you a hand. If you have a car, truck, van, RV, or boat that you would like to clear out, our vehicle donation program is just the answer. You can donate your vehicle to Mater Day Radio and get a likely tax deduction in return. It's quick and easy, giving you a real jump start to your spring cleaning. Learn more about our vehicle donation program at materderadio.com.
0: It's Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Dei
1: Radio.
2: Well, holy men and women throughout our Catholic history have loved and honored our Blessed Virgin Mary. Perhaps your devotion to Mary has always been there when you needed help. But could your love and reverence for the Mother of God use a little bit of a boost? Well, the month of May is the perfect time to do that and a new book by Father Edward Looney. Perfect resource in his new book, How They Love Mary. You will find how saints like Saint Damien of Molokai, Padre Pio, have all had a deep devotion to honoring Mary. Father Edward is the author of the best-selling books A Heart Like Mary, Rosary Litany, and his writings have also appeared in the pages of Catholic Digest and online at Alatea and Catholic Exchange. Father Edward is also joining me today. Hello Father Edward, thank you so much for joining the show today.
3: Yeah, great to be with you and always a joy to speak about our Blessed Mother.
2: Well Father Edward, you were ordained a priest for the Diocese of Green Bay 2015. What role did Mary play in your journey to the priesthood?
3: Yeah, great question and she really had a pivotal role I would say. It was really through the grace of several different Marian pilgrimages that I kind of received uh, the vocation to the priesthood and then the perseverance to pursue it. So uh, when I was in high school, I went on a pilgrimage uh, to a Marian apparition site, I had a pretty profound experience there, I thought I'd go be a priest. And uh, I went to the seminary right out of high school, but kind of just had a not so good experience. Um, maybe I wasn't ready for it or whatever. And so uh, I ended up leaving and really thought that I would never be a priest, would not go back to the seminary, had other ideas from my life, but it was through another pilgrimage to a Marian apparition site again that uh, really spoke to me, really confirmed in me uh, that desire for priesthood and that call uh, that God had placed on my heart. And Uh, I was at the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Health and Champion, which is uh, the only approved Marian apparition site in the United States, and I was serving Mass there, and I was conflicted. I was thinking about joining a religious order, and, uh, or, you know, should I be a diocesan priest? My family was here, and so one day at Mass, as I was serving Mass there, uh, the psalm was, uh, Lord, this is the people that longs to see your face, and really, now, that spoke to me in that moment, and I, as I looked out, I said, well, I know many of these people here, and these are the people that long to see God's face, and God is asking me, I think, to bring Him to them. So uh, I decided to join the Diocese at Green Bay and really never turned back then.
2: Father Edward Looney is joining me today. His new book, How They Love Mary, 28 Life-Changing Stories of Devotion to Our Lady. It is out by Sophia Institute Press. Father is joining us today to talk a little bit about our devotion to Mary. Father Edward, you were ordained a priest in the Diocese of Green Bay in 2015. Well, of course, our saints are guides to our devotion to Mary. And in fact, another Wisconsin native, Solanus Casey, he also had a very deep devotion to Mary. Tell us a little bit about his life and devotion.
3: Yeah, so Solanus Casey, as you mentioned, was uh, from Wisconsin he said one of his first masses, actually, in Appleton, which is in the Diocese of Green Bay. He uh, decided to become a Capuchin priest uh, and essentially best known for being the porter or the doorkeeper of the monastery in in Detroit. And so people would go to Father Solanus, and he was a simplex priest, so he couldn't really publicly say mass or hear confessions because they didn't think he was smart enough for that. So they put him at the door, and people would come. They'd ask his prayers and counsel, and he really had this great reputation for holiness and wise counsel, and uh, really miracles were attributed uh, to his counsel and prayers and so forth. And One of the things that really impressed me when I learned about Salmanis Casey, and, and in my own life, kind of, he he took on a very special role, because my mother— uh, was a severe diabetic. She had lost a lot of toes. She was probably going to lose her leg. And when I was reading about the life of Solanas Casey back in maybe 2016 or 2017, I realized that uh, he also was in this predicament where he might have his leg amputated. And I decided that I was going to take him as my mother's patron, that I was going to ask him every day. I was praying that little prayer. Uh, asking his prayers that my mother would never have her leg amputated, but then as I kept reading that biography of Solanus Casey, I also came to learn that he had a great fondness for the mystical city of God, which is a book by the Venerable Maria of Agreda, uh, who was a sixteen uh, lived in the sixteen hundreds and uh, had these mystical revelations. Wrote a four-volume uh, work about the Blessed Mother and her life and the life of Jesus and. Smartest Casey read that book, the four volumes, 2,500 pages plus, uh, four times in his life. He knew it pretty well. He could recite passages from memory. He had it read to him on his deathbed. But when people would come to the door of the monastery, they would say, you know, Father, please pray for so-and-so, and he would give them a copy of the mystical city of God and say, read this, and, uh, and you know, read this and pray. And inevitably, sometimes what would happen is people would come back and say, Father, why didn't so-and-so get better? And he would ask them, well, did you read from the mystical city of God? And they would say, no. They'd go home, they'd read from the mystical city of God, and then they would see how God was answering uh, their prayers. So um, I, I did that. I prayed to Solanus, and then I read the mystical city of God every day until my mother died, but she never had her leg amputated. So really, I took that as the grace of an answered prayer, just because I knew she wouldn't be a good, um, you know, a good amputee. Uh, so in, in terms of being bound to a wheelchair mm-hmm. and such. Mm-hmm. So uh, this this past year, the right now, uh, I'm personally as like a homage to uh, Solanas Casey and Maria Vagarda. I'm reading the mystical city of God. And not only am I doing it for myself, I'm doing it for hundreds of other people through a podcast, much like Father Michael Schmitz or Father Joe Roche did with the Bible or the Diary of Divine Mercy, is that I'm reading excerpts every day of the mystical city of God and providing commentary. And so it's been so enriching for me. And that's one of the things I think with our Marian devotion that it can look different. So the rosary sure is a part of it. but There are other expressions, so spiritual reading about Our Lady is something that I am fully engaged in this year, whereas, you know, other years, my devotion to Our Lady might look a little different.
2: Well, you can learn more about some of the stories of devotion to Our Lady in Father Edward's new book, How They Love Mary. Father Edward, you did a lot of research. You have twenty-eight stories now. In doing this research and learning about different, you know, men and women who have had just life-altering experiences, can you maybe share with us one or two of those where you were really kind of surprised about how their maybe turnaround happened or the ways that Mary interceded for them?
3: Yeah, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do with this book was really to. Go through my life personally, and and to see um, how these holy men and women that I've encountered in my life, whose writings have been very important to me, and just to see their own devotion to the Blessed Mother. And, and I think one of them that really surprised me that I didn't know much about actually was um, uh, it was Saint Fra- Francis de Sales uh, mm-hmm. who wrote the introduction to the Devout Life and and uh, a few other great spiritual works and writings that he wrote. And um, for for that preparation for writing his chapter, I decided, well, he had these sermons on Our Lady that were published by Tan Books. And I said, well, I'll read these sermons and see what they say. So I open up the book, and here's this picture of Our Lady. And it was a particular devotion, a titular name, a special title of Our Lady. And and uh, kind of the dedication was to Our Lady who really intervened in my life or something like that. And uh, and so I said, well, I want to know what this story is. So then I took the name of the saint and took, took the name of Our Lady and simply just Googled it and found a few different other articles about it. But essentially, Francis de Sales, as a young man, was really struggling with depression. And so every day he would run to the parish church and he would pray at the altar of Our Lady, asking Our Lady to relieve him of that suffering. And and so really, we have this great saint in the Catholic Church now, patron saint of journalists and such, um, because of the prayers of Our Lady. And maybe I'll just say one other one that really surprised me was, uh, and I never heard of her, someone actually recommended her to me. I said, you know, I have a lot of men and because I'm a priest, and so I'm familiar with lots of saintly Priests and holy men in that regard, but I'm like, I, I need a few more women. And, and this one, uh, this one person recommended Teresa Cavedo, um, a name that you've probably never heard of. She said her autobiography is, or her biography, is called Mary Was Her Life. And so I buy it, I read it, and I'll tell you, I've never encountered a person who loved the Blessed Mother more. Than Teresa Cavedo. In fact, I think you could take the devotion of everyone listening to this radio show right now, and Teresa Cavedo's love for the Blessed Mother would blow us out of the water. Uh, it was just really a phenomenal, um, uh, just the way she reflected about Our Lady. And, and basically, you know, we know of Saint Therese and her little way, and we could say Teresa Cavedo, Sister Teresa Cavedo, had her little way, and she called it her way of confidence in Our Lady. Just knowing that Our Lady would take care of whatever issue or whatever situation, she would just entrust it to the prayers of Our Lady. And so uh, very powerful, very profound, the way that she lived as a young person, uh, her own Marian devotion. And uh, she died uh, at a very young age, but really a, a great witness to me, and I hope at now introducing her to so many others, uh, to the world, uh, her own devotion to Our Lady.
2: Well, you can read about her and many others in Father Edward's new book, How They Love Mary, 28 Life-Changing Stories of Devotion to Our Lady. You can find it on Sophia Institute's webpage. You can also purchase a copy from any one of our wonderful local Catholic bookstores. Well, Father Edward, I appreciate your time so much today. It's a wonderful book, beautiful cover, of course, of Our Blessed Mother. I encourage our listeners to definitely, well, go check that out. I will be sure to add a link to where you can get right to Sophia Institute Press. You can purchase a copy for yourself. You're going to find that link on the podcast of this interview, monsterdayradio.com. She taught me how to love. Well, this week was a tremendous week in our own household. Scott, I am going up to get our daughter from St. Martin's University. It's just about an hour and a half up the road from where we are in Vancouver, and she is completing her first year of college. Now, she had a great meetup just out of the blue. Now, she has a job uh, in the cafeteria, and she was working last night, and a visitor came. And she was so excited that she had to give me a call because it was a newly ordained priest. His name is Father Val. He's in the Archdiocese of Seattle. Now, before he was ordained, he spent his pastoral year while he was still in seminary at St. Joe's and he became just really close to the young people. He attended their life nights together. He was involved with giving them a life and excitement about their own faith. Now he went back to seminary and then COVID hit and then he became a deacon and a priest now. So he happened to be at St. Martin's on retreat. He walks into the cafeteria. Ashlyn sees him from the side eye and he looks her in the face and says, It is great to see you. He had no idea she was there. They struck up a really nice conversation, explained what he was doing there. And he was so excited to see Ashlyn, you know, having spent her first year of college there. Well, he left and he went back to his retreat, but then made a special turnaround and came back to her, gave her a wood rosary. And he said, Ashlyn, this is for you. He said, I relied on this rosary so much during my formation in times where i thought i wasn't going to get there and he said and i know this has been a difficult year for you college always is but with the help of mary yeah you'll get there
0: yeah that's i think just profound and consistently present to us uh is is that devotion to the mother whom christ gave us at the cross we still celebrate that reality in this easter season that that we have a mother who loves us deeply in all that we do. And so as an example of that, and my mother gave me that example uh, of turning to Mary, of praying the rosary. And here I am in this meeting, like I said, just before the break. And it's a it's an incredibly challenging meeting with leaders of, of the, my organization that we, we have a lot of alphas <laughs> in the room, sure. a lot of people who are ready to give their opinion. Including myself to a degree, I have to be present to give my opinion. But I, I am praying the Rosary throughout these past three days. I just pray a continual Rosary um, in my mind. And some people might think, well, you, you if you're praying, you're not listening. But it's amazing. Mary, Mary doesn't make that distinction. She doesn't cut that that hearing off. She allows us to be present more to the pe- people we need to hear. Um, as her son calls us to, so I'm I'm relying heavily on Mary this month of May and this w- first week back of travel that I've uh, been doing. What a what a great uh, example to hear that our daughter was given a rosary by this priest who we hold in such high esteem, and he does it with just such uh, such gentleness that she needed to see that.
2: And Scott, what you kind of example there, which is you know, something that I don't necessarily worry about too much. Here I am working for a Catholic ministry. Everything about what I do is about bringing forward kind of the gospel truths and the joy of our Catholic faith. You, on the other hand, you're a federal employee, and you always have this notion of, you know, the separation of church and state, and your job as a federal employee, you're not allowed to bring that Catholic faith in there. You've got to be completely secular. But that has not been the case. There are so many ways where your faith constantly is guiding you through these important meetings sometimes they're not so pleasant but as you said that silent rosary and then what is amazing too and Scott you had shared with me about some of your meeting that I think when people come to you and they've said how wonderful it was to have you how your presence has changed kind of the feel of the meeting they can't put their finger on what it is (laughs) but you know what that is
0: Right, right. I want to tell them. I want to I want to tell them it's I it's Mary. It's the presence of Mary advocating for us on behalf of her son. Um it's the presence of her son in the room. Uh, but I don't, because like you said, that, that's a distinction that we have to make. But it doesn't require us to limit ourselves internally to be praying for those who might even be our adversary. And what I've certainly seen in this meeting is I have an authentic voice that is authentic because of my focus on Mary and and as a consequence, Jesus, in my words that I use. Because I'm there speaking on behalf of many people. And how do you have the authentic voice, the authentic voice that drew people to Christ? Uh, They listened and they they were in awe of what he said. Certainly, I'm not advocating that people are in awe of what I say, but I know I can see that when I speak, there's an authenticity that comes from that Opportunity, And it's rooted in that prayer um, life that I'm, I'm trying to emulate in my, in my own mind with this group. Mm-hmm. And I think people's hearts are changed. Yeah. It's our, our baptism, our confirmation, and the Eucharist we, rec- we receive every week, hopefully, it is intended to have effect. That's the definition of, this, of the term sacrament. And I'm here to have effect on behalf of Christ in a way that is not oppressive, that is not manipulative, but is gently pouring over these people whose hearts were created by God.
2: So if that is any example to you about your ability to incorporate the rosary in your daily work life, well, definitely always take Mary with you and you will allow her to work through you and hopefully see really the way that she can work in everyone's life. Scott, before we go, will you end us in prayer?
0: Lord Jesus, we thank you for giving us your mother as you gave your last on the cross for us. Help us to remember that this Easter season, that as we approach Pentecost, it's Mary who's with the disciples as she is with us. And she will lead us always to her son as she did the disciples. Help us to trust in that in our everyday experience we have in this life that is so preciously given to us by Christ. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
2: And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our View from the Pew.
0: God bless and continue to thrive this Easter season. You've been listening to View from the Pew,
1: a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Akins and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at materdayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Radio in Portland, Oregon.